Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 205 of One Control Report Podcast. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today, talking about video games. I played through two video games this week. One I already played through, but both of them fairly short, or played through beforehand, I guess I should say. Um, one being Sin and Punishment. We started this on stream a little while ago. Um, I wanted to go ahead and put my Nintendo 64 away, so I was like, I'll just go ahead and finish this up, just because I, I, it's, it's such a short game. It's like an hour and a half long, very short game. Uh, so I was like, I want to go ahead and just finish this up, put it on my shelf, and then if we want to get back into one stream later, we can, we can do that. But Sin and Punishment, if you've never played it, is this really, um... Kind of like an on-rail shooter more than anything. If you ever played like a Star Fox or Panzer Dragoon kind of game, it feels somewhat similar to that. But instead of being something that's flying around on screen, you are a person on the ground, essentially. You kind of walk back and forth, left and right. And then you have a cursor on the screen that you move around. And that cursor can move separately from your character, uh, unlike a Star Fox. So so you can go ahead and like move left, but then move your cursor right. So it kind of feels like an on-rail shooter in a lot of ways in that regard. Um, but it's like a really flashy game. It's a late Nintendo 64 game. It came out in 2000, and it has a lot of voice acting, um, a, a lot of cutscenes. You know, again, hour and 30 minute game, so you know, a lot. You know, comparatively to the amount of contents of the game overall. Um, but but it's just like a really flashy game to play, and I, I always recommend it to to anyone who's looking at Nintendo 64 games. It's one that you do, really don't want to pass up on because there's really not too much that's really wrong with it or anything. Um, it's it's. The one thing I guess I, could, I guess you could say is that story-wise, it feels kind of like I always use this comparison. I don't know if it's a good comparison or not. It reminds me a lot of like like '90s-ish OVA anime OVAs, where you'd get like this one two-hour movie about some anime series, and in Japan, you know, it had like a manga and a and a and a t- full TV series. But the in the U.S., we just get like the movie they put out, and it'd be this tiny sliver of this world. Like, there's a ton of it feels like there's a ton of lore to this world. You know, there's all this stuff going on, but really, all you see is this one little sliver. So, in the case of Sin and Punishment, it's like yes, you're aware there's an alien invasion. There's like a military that's like trying to to um, you know fend it off, and then also you are like in a rebel group um and there's like these characters that i feel like they're trying to they're expecting you to kind of like know their relationships a little bit or at least they're trying to convey that throughout the dialogue without really formally introducing anybody um and so you're like are drops basically in the middle of some crisis happening in a city you have these characters that you're you're, you're playing as the rebel characters and you're going and you're like fighting all these guys and there's also aliens called ruffians around or something and then you like fight these people who are talking about their research and and like they're saying names like you should know who these characters are it it feels very much like that where it's just like i'm you know it feels like this is a a chapter of a game rather than a full game kind of thing um but whether that's good or not, I think is up to you. It's very flashy. It's very entertaining to watch, I will say. And because it's so short, I don't think it's really that much of a, an investment. So you're not like, you know, you don't feel lost for forever, right? You just kind of see that one little bit. And you kind of get the, the general idea of what's happening um, after after a period of time. Um, but yeah, it's a really fun game. Um, and, and there's like some neat mechanics where you can kind of like um launch weapon or uh, miss, missiles back at enemies so like when they shoot slower moving projectiles at you, you can slash it with a sword and that will launch it back at them you can do more damage with that there's a scoring system the, <laughs> the scoring system's weird because like you get an extra life every time you kill something or uh, kill, kill 100 things basically or you know they have a hit 
about, so I think certain things might give you more hit points or something like that. Um, but like, if, when it comes to the... And there's like a, a limited number of credits, too, to actually finish the game as well. So it, it's very much like a Star Fox 64 kind of scenario. Um, but but when you hit the like final boss of the game, they give you so many points on the final boss, and it's like literally impossible to run out of lives. <laughs> so as long as you can get to the final boss with at least one credit left, you're, you're good, right? You just got to get in there, shoot some stuff, and you'll get like three leveled ups in like the first 10 seconds, it feels like. Um, and you do that every time after you die. So it's not a particularly challenging game. I would recommend playing it on normal. I, I shouldn't say it's not particularly challenging, but the 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 resources they give you to tackle those are um, are very plentiful, right? So you have plenty of credits, and so you'll be able to get through the game even if you die and have a lot of trouble. But I, I do think that's a, a good approach to be like, hey, you have a limited number of these continues, but also this game is challenging enough that you will actually eat into those a little bit. So you want to kind of balance you know, how often you're dying, like, or how careful you play. Um, but it is a game that has a timer on it as well. So you have to like keep moving and there's like side scrolling sections where you can choose your movement as you move around. So you have to really make sure you are continuing to press forward, um, rather than just like, you know, killing everything for the higher score. Um, because if you run out of time, you like start draining your health and things like that. So that's a really fun game. You can check it out on, I think it's on the Wii U virtual console. I will say, I don't know how that version of the game is. I know people do not like the Wii U version of Ocarina of Time. I don't know if that's a Nintendo 64 problem on Wii U in general, or if that is a specific thing to Ocarina of Time. Um, there's also a Wii Virtual Console release that is delisted, but obviously there's ways to get around that. And so I believe both of those ways you're playing the game in 480p, so it's like a nice, clean-looking version. I actually played it on Nintendo 64 this time around. I had it on Wii Virtual Console a long time ago, and then my Wii died, so I lost it. Um, but I bought the physical copy, um, and, and uh, you know, it it's, looks really good still. It's running in 240p, so it's, like, not as clean. Um, but, but it looks really good. The only real downside to buying the original Nintendo 64 version is that the Wii and Wii U Virtual Console releases had some localization work done. Um, all the voice acting is in English no matter which version you play, so that's fine. Um, but there's, like, a, a section at the end of the game where um, there's, like, a, a lot of text on screen, and in the Japanese version, there's no voice acting or anything like that, so you just have to, like, read, or there's just this text scroll, but you can't read any of it. It's all in all in Japanese, so, but you can go, like, look up the credits on YouTube afterwards if, if that's really a concern. Um, so yeah, cool game, cool game. Check it out uh, if you haven't yet. I don't know if we'll do a video on it at some point. I'm, I'm kind of not sure what to do with the casual reviews right now. Um, they're, if it's quick and easy to do, it might be a good thing to just like shut out there somewhere to fill in time as I have problems with making videos as we'll talk about, talk about a bit later. The other game I played is Real Heroes Firefighters, um, or ra rather Real Heroes Firefighter singular firefighter. <laughs> um, and I talked a little bit about this last week because I was just kind of switching through some of those Wii games I bought and I saw how short this game was. It was like three hours online. In the end, I think it took me five and a half hours. So it took me quite a bit longer. Um, but it's a really neat game. Um, and a really, I don't want to say unique game. It's the first I've played of a firefighting game. I know there are other firefighting games on like the Super Nintendo. I think there's like PlayStation 1 as well. Um, and I, I believe there are some other ones that came on PlayStation 2. There's this one that I think Kamimi me talked about at some point. I don't I don't remember for sure what that was but I felt like that was more like adventurous kind of ways it kind of reminded me a little bit more of like raw danger from what I remember of it but 
I can't remember the name of the game, so let's not talk about that. Uh, but Real Real Hero Firefighters feels like a first-person shooter, but in a, in a firefighter way. So you're like going around, you know, spraying uh, water on fire. And I will say it's a game that gets a bit tedious at times. You know, you think about the, what what is the process of fighting a fire, right? You take the hose, you know, spray down the fire, and you just got to kind of clear out different parts of the fire and make sure, you know, nothing is left behind, essentially. Um, and... If you have that logic when you get into the game, um, it's going to really slow you down. I think it's part of what really slowed me down when I first started is like you'd enter a room and you'd be like, fire, and just like start shooting everything. Um, But what I realized later on is that many of the missions don't expect you to put out all the fire, um, either because it's just so much of it that it would basically be impossible to do, um, or the objective that they want you to do is this very specific thing. So they want you to kind of deal with the fire while you're trying to complete this objective. So if you go and try to put it all out, it takes forever. And there's also scenarios where if you're back in a room putting out the fire, some of the fire down the line, or at least as far as I can tell, might be spawned. Um, And so you'll get into a room and there'll be objectives in the room, but because you took so long to get there, the room will just be completely on fire and the objectives will be basically impossible to complete and then you got to restart. And then if you like run up to there, it's like you can see what the room was supposed to look like (laughs) if you didn't take forever to actually just go through this one hallway. So if you ever play Real Heroes Firefighters, I'd recommend, you know, not slowing down. Just, you know, just go and do what that game asks you to do. Sometimes they'll ask you to clear all the fires do that that way but it's really neat um i think early on it's very um intense i will say the first couple missions are really really intense but the game kind of gives you diversity through um the environments you're in so one of the earlier missions is like you go through like a shopping mall and you're going through different like shopping areas in this mall so you got to kind of walk through this main area of the mall to get to different various small stores and go through like the back alleys of the stores you got to shape save like the um the, the animals and the pet stores and things like that. So there's like there's like smaller things like that where it's more of just like a structural change. Um, other times it's like you're in a lab with a bunch of equipment and they're like, hey, don't get the equipment wet. Um, you know, the, the, you're, you're, I think there's literally say, I have a line where it's like your salary will not pay for how much it costs to, if you ruin it. So just use a, a fire extinguisher. If you're going to blow, if you got to blow anything on, 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 uh, um, uh, electronic components and things like that. So there's a lot of like diversity in the, in the environments you're in. Um, but it's not really like it, it, it's, it's very slight changes to just kind of how you approach things or how you move around the environment. So I think from a gameplay perspective, most of the time it's not really noticeable um, other than the intensity of the fire. There's definitely towards the end of the game times that you just have to kind of run through the fire and be okay with it. Like it looks like a mess. Your character, you're like, you're, you're, it's got the call of duty vision of heat coming around the sides and that's going to start pushing in your character and start bringing you just got to run through that fire get through to get to the next area because if you sit there and try to put everything out and even just like make a path for yourself it doesn't always work out so it's a lot of like making choices like that of how much fire do i need to put out to actually push through um to the next objective kind of thing but the later, later parts of the game, they do have a lot of, um, let's say, creative uh, uh, scenarios and, and areas you go to um, that are, are more unique. One is like an amusement park, so you can kind of imagine, you know, with all the, the rides and like haunted houses and things like that, some of the gimmicks that would come into play there and how, how that could kind of differentiate it from the rest of the game. Um, there is one, like there are boss fights towards the end as well. Uh, one in particular makes no sense. 
Um, the other one is like very shocking, but also it kind of makes sense in the context of the world. Um, but they're they're kind of neat. They're not really real boss fights. They usually just they're I mean, they're still you still only got your water hose and like you know an axe to chop things down. So you're not like you know fighting anything per se but you're still like cooling down like certain things in the environment or or in the case of the final mission which i won't spoil um you you have to go like save people on this ride while the ride is active and the ride is like harassing you the entire time basically and eventually you just have to shut the ride down and say they make you like like cut a bunch of wire and and uh like spray spray the boss um to like basically overload its electronics and things like that it's 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 a unique setup for that um so yeah it's a really cool game and it's pretty short too so i would highly recommend checking it out honestly if you if you are into something more unique like that i think the best way to really sum it up is in terms of like presentation is it feels like a firefighter game that kind of is trying to be like a call of duty title there's a lot of really intense scenarios there's like dialogue between your characters and things like that so i had a lot of fun with it i really i'm really glad i played it i would like to do a casual review of it at some point so that is something that i will consider on the on the table with that I, what i might do speaking of the casual reviews what i might do with those is just record the audio for them and then just basically edit the video together whenever i am in, in need of some kind of content on the the, the website because they're not that hard to put together but if i sit there and try to do them all the time they take up a lot of time that takes away from other things that are more, more important you know stuff that's like considered to be featured content or or at least i'm trying to do something more with it than just saying let me talk about this game right the things that i'm trying to be a bit more directed on um, for both Real Heroes, Firefighters, and Sin and Punishment, I um, decided to go ahead and scan their manual. Sin and Punishment, I was really surprised. I tried to look up online um, to see if somebody scanned the Sin and Punishment manual, and I did see that Moby Games has a few pages from it, but I don't see a complete scan of the manual online. It, it was a surprise. So again, maybe I'm just looking in the wrong place or something, um, but but yeah, I don't know. So I went ahead and scanned the entire manual. Unfortunately, I accidentally dog-eared the back page uh, when I was scanning once, so there's a little bend and that's just the scan unfortunately um but you know i thought i thought it was important to do just in case so i haven't uploaded it or anything anywhere but i'll probably put it on archive.org um at some point maybe it's a part of some kind of manual collection somewhere i'm not aware of that some people have scanned it before but just looking up sin and punishment the only thing i could find was the uh, manual for the successor for the wii um, and I think Nintendo officially put those out as PDFs, so that might be why. Uh, and then also Nintendo put out a PDF for the virtual console release of Sin and Punishment, which is different from the Japanese manual, the Nintendo 64 game. Very, very nice looking manual. Very nice looking packaging in general. If you've never seen the packaging for Sin and Punishment, highly recommend going to check that out. It's a very nice looking box. That is part of the reason why I bought this um, you know, A, I got it somewhat cheaper than I was expecting, and then B, the packaging looks real nice. Um, and I didn't have a copy of Sin and Punishment anymore because I lost that Wii version. So as for firefighters, though, like I, I didn't check to see if anybody scanned it already. I just was there and sitting there and scanned it. Um, it was very easy to do. And I say it was very easy to do because I finally figured out what was going on with my scanner. I don't remember how much I talked about it on the podcast, but I did talk about it a bit on stream last week. Um, I was having trouble with my scanner. It would like freeze up all the time and like the scanner would get stuck halfway through the scan and wouldn't, wouldn't respond anymore. Had to unplug it, uninstall the drivers, reinstall the drivers. It was a whole mess. Um, and I found out what the issue was, was simply just the USB cable. Um, the USB cable they provided to me was like wrapped up in a, in a circle and it was like really long. And my scanner is like two feet away from my, 
um, computer. So like I didn't need that much wire. So I just left it wrapped. And then I basically would like not wrapped, but it was like in a ring kind of shape. So I just like, like you know, lightened the edges up and then plugged it in that way. Uh, but when I was pulling it out the cable for another cable, I accidentally undud the cable. And I realized there was a big like rip in the cable that was covered up with like electrical tape down the line. Um, so, you know, I don't know if that was what the problem was, but, um, I went and switched out the cable with my printer cable, uh, for my other printer and, um, and it works fine now. So it's like really easy for me to scan stuff now. So it's very quick and easy. You know, it is, it is single scanning at this point. You know, it does manual. I can only sit there and like, you know, flip to each page scan basically. So it does take a little time, but generally very straightforward. So I went and scanned the firefighter one just to have it. Um, and to, to, to feel, feel good about it. So I don't know. I, I didn't actually check to see if the firefighter one was out there. So maybe we don't need that, but yeah. Uh, another fun and exciting thing is that the, I don't remember if I talked about it on the podcast before, but I, I went ahead and did some Yahoo auctions purchases for a couple things. Um, first kiss story manga. I went ahead and purchased some first kiss story manga. Um, I wasn't quite sure what they were. I knew there were two volumes of manga that I, I hadn't, I had seen on Yahoo auctions a lot, but I hadn't actually like looked into, you know, what it was, if it was like a volume of like a, a series of retelling of the game or what. Um, and I got it in and it's, um, I was expecting it to be like volume one, volume two, but no, it's like some, I guess you could say like compilation book. It's like a bunch of different artists who made, uh, short stories about first kiss story and and put them all in one book so all the art is like different throughout so it's really interesting to look at um especially for a series kind of notoriously known for its giant foreheads when most of the characters in this manga do not have foreheads because they're different artists (laughs) from the actual artist um my hope in buying these was that the um in 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 the first kiss story desktop accessories disc Volume 3 specifically, um, there are loading screens that happen. And in those loading screens, there's like these four coma looking um, Hunex Fighters 98 comics. So I thought maybe that they were in there. Um, I don't know if they're original things for that that disc or if they were, um, you know, from another manga that I'm just not aware of or, or, or what. But I was hoping they would be in there. They are not. So, you know, mystery still with that. Um, but you know, it's still really exciting to see all that stuff in there and I would like to get it scanned. I'm having a little trouble with book scans. Um, I called up a handful of companies and talked to them, um, and got a lot of mixed messaging on what was, what they were able to do. Some of them had said they could do like non-destructive book scanning, but it would be 300 DPI only. And, you know, I don't know that much about scanning, but, um, I know 1200 is considered like archive, um, the best for archiving basically, but 600 DPI is acceptable basically. And then 300 is not. So obviously having a 300 DPI scan is better than nothing. Um, but I would like to have at least a 600 DPI scan. One company did tell me they could do a 1200 scan of them. Um, but when I, when they gave me the price, it was like $300 to do one book. So (laughs) I was like, I don't know about that. I was like, I'm doing this for archiving, not for like something I'm making money off of. And they're like, yeah, it's pretty high price wise. Didn't ask, didn't inquire as to why it was so high. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I reached out to a couple other companies, um, but they didn't really have great information either. So I'm not sure what to do about that book scanning. Obviously there's always the, the option of doing destructive book scanning where I just, you know, go ahead and, you know, destroy the books and get individual pages and I scan them cleanly that way or I could just try to flatten them and scan them that way obviously the latter is better than nothing 
but it's it's not a great way to do it. It's just, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll look into to techniques of, of, of people who scan books and see what, what they do. Um, because ideally, I'd want a scanner that does do a book scan specifically, like the one that I would assume is the one that like folds out like that and it presses the glass down on both sides of the paper and like goes in the crease of the book and then scans the sides like that. Um, I think that would be ideal, but you know, I, I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on a scanner like that myself, or if not thousands of dollars. I think those were some of the more expensive scanners. I did check with my local libraries as well. Didn't really see anything that was like an option with that either. Um, I am rambling though. Um, so, so there's that. I also got the Windows 95 desktop accessories disc for Blue Breaker. Although I think it's specifically a screensaver and wallpaper disc. This disc is more in line with the private idle disc in terms of the packaging and, and the aesthetics of it. Um, which in the private idle disc, there were wallpapers and screensavers, but they were very, very basic wallpapers and screensavers. Um, they basically had, uh, screenshots from the anime that was on the PCFX and, and it also, the disc also had the, the anime on there. And I made a post about this a while ago, but basically there is a, um, a, all three episodes of the private idol anime are on those discs and they're also on the PCFX disc and the rendering or whatever you would call it out of those, of those videos are different. Um, the, the Jap or the, uh, windows 95 versions are have like a wider frame to them. So they're not cut off as much versus the PCFX one. Um, but the PCFX one, uh, well, the PCFX one runs in 240p where I think the, the, the ones on PC are, are a higher resolution. I don't remember the exact resolution, but there's a lot of compression in the, in the, the PC one. So it's not necessarily that one or the other is better. The episodes are the same as far as I can tell. Otherwise it's just the different visual quality and they're both kind of bad. <laughs> so I don't know if there's any kind of uh, private idol VHS or DVD or I imagine not DVD. It's early enough that that wouldn't be it, but there's that disc anyways. So that disc was kind of disappointing because it was mostly stuff I already had um, on the PCFX with the with the private idol uh, or the anime freaks discs that had those animes on there. This disc is way more interesting uh, because it has a lot of um, materials that's high resolution um, that they're like backgrounds of the game. If you're watching the YouTube version of this, I'm currently sitting at a bar table in this environment. Admittedly, this is a blown up version of the background, but it's a high quality background versus uh, the in-game, the, the backgrounds are, you know, at least when you're playing the game, uh, obscured by like a 240p resolution. I don't know what the actual files of the game look like on the disc, but I'd imagine typically you'd have like a lower quality visual you know, file on the disc, but I have not ever tried to pull data from any of the Blue Breaker games. So maybe these higher quality versions are on the disc themselves, but the Windows 95 disc at the very least makes a very easy way for you to get them. Um, there's also concept art scans. They're very low quality scans, unfortunately. Um, there's posters that were um, put out for the game and, and it's textless versions of them. Some of the scanning is a little off on it. There's like one I could see, uh, like they, they have like a line between like a character's eyes uh, because how they fit them together didn't fit quite right. Um, so it's, 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 I don't want to say it's sloppy work, um, but it's probably not archival work. It would probably be something closer to what you would see um, you know, if a big dumb dumb like me was trying to do this versus like if somebody professionally was trying to preserve this material. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, I, I really appreciate the stuff that's on there though. There's a lot of really nice things. I went ahead and uploaded all that to archive.org. So you can actually find that. I'll link it in the, um, the, the podcast notes 
for this week if you want to check that out. Um, you can download the ISO, or I also put a zip in there of just the raw graphics files, and archive.org lets you download individual files. So if you want to just download the, I think it's a .rar, um, you can just download the .rar and then un- unpack that the way you want to as well. But very cool disc. Um, I really wish I could take the time to completely catalog everything and detail what everything is. I just know I can't. It's something I've really, honestly, I think there are people who like Blue Breaker, so I'm not too concerned about, you know, if I'd never do anything with the stuff on this disc. First kiss story, I don't really have a lot of confidence anybody will ever do anything with those discs. So, one, I should upload them, because um, I have not uploaded Volume 1 or Volume 2 yet onto archive.org for those, the first kiss story discs. Um, but also, I really wish I could go and, like, have information about what certain things are on there, because some things I... As somebody who is 100% First Kiss Story, um, I can tell what certain things are now that, you know, if you are if you don't know what First Kiss Story is, it might not make a lot of sense other than just, here's a piece of concept art of a character because, sure. Because, sure. And then there's also a token doll stuff that I imported too. Basically just Dojin goods. I got myself a card holder. Um, I also got a mirror <laughs> and, and a, uh, I thought it was like a pen, uh, case that I got as well, but it might be like a makeup case instead. The reason I thought it was a pen case is because, you know, it, like, it kind of looks like a, a Final Fantasy 11 one that I have that can hold pens in it. Um, but the width of it is just too short for like a normal pen. So maybe it's, maybe it's not, uh, if you want to see those things, I unboxed them on the stream last week in the first, like, you know, 15 minutes of the stream. So if you want to see me pull those things up, the only reason I unboxed them during the stream, honestly, is because they arrived at my door five minutes before the stream started. And I was like, well, I'm going to open these anyway. So might as well on stream. So, so yeah. But yeah, good fun times. Uh, I posted those on Twitter as well, actually. <laughs> I, I I had fun because, um, you know, I don't know, like sometimes with, with like, I, I imagine the Tokenall community does not like have a lot of Western fans that they particularly interact with. I do know of some Western Tokenall fans. And if you go and look up a Tokenall on, on Twitter, you can find people talking about it occasionally, largely around the music. I think a lot of people find a Tokenall through the music itself because it's part of the Bamani branding and everything. Um, but, but like one of them said like worldwide a token doll or something like that in the tweet back. So that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, it's a good time. Good fun Dojin goods. I like supporting Dojin goods. I probably shouldn't buy them. They're expensive to import. That's for sure. I would much rather go to like an event in person as well. Like I did when I went to comic but you know, this year it's not something you can really do easily. And also flying to Japan not something you can really do easily any year for the most part, or at least not me, you know, I gotta, it costs money, <laughs> it costs money and time more than me. For me, it's more of time, time more than anything. Taking time, that kind of time off work is not a, probably not very smart, um, for my, for our business, unfortunately. <laughs> Anyways, I know we went long on talking about a lot of stuff, uh, but let me just hop into the news here real quick. I don't have a ton of stories here, but we can talk a little bit about some things. Uh, one thing was Nintendo announced Game Builder Garage, uh, basically a a tool that's very similar to the VR Garage Kit um, that was with Nintendo Labo. So basically, you can make your own games. If you looked ever looked at like Project Spark on Xbox or Dreams on PlayStation, same kind of thing. Um, I don't really see anybody ever talking about uh, the VR Garage Kit. Admittedly, Nintendo Labo is a niche audience in the Switch, um, you know, 
area already. And then even more niche than that are people who bought the VR kits. So, so it was not exactly set up for success. So expanding this out into a, a switch in general accessible tool is probably very smart. I didn't check to see if it costs anything. Um, it, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's like something you have to buy separately or if it's just a part of your Nintendo switch online subscription or something like that. Uh, but basically you can go make your own little games using, using Nintendo's tools um, you know, these things are always really neat to see, and it's always fun to see people, like, remake things. I saw somebody had, like, a Mario 64-level remake in, in the um, Game Builder garage, or the VR garage kit um, one, but, you know, it's, it's just, for me, it's one of those things that I look at and go, like, huh, neat, and then I move on in my life. I don't really ever participate in those communities or build anything with those kind of things. I've just... Don't have the time and commitment to learn those tools, unfortunately, and I'm not much of a game designer either. <laughs> Or at least I haven't tried. Well, I did some RPG Maker stuff when I was a kid, but that was pretty terrible. <laughs> um, there's also a new uh, Layton Mystery Journey release on on the um, Nintendo Switch. Uh, as far as I understand, it is largely the same game as the previous one. So it's that same release. Um, but the difference is, is that they took, I think, the voice actor from the anime and had her voice the professor Layton in that game because it sounds like the two voice actors were different for some reason in the japanese version so they they essentially um made those actors line up i don't know if there's any other changes they added more dialogue to the game at all uh if they just uh added the japanese or the anime voice actor to the game but um don't know if we'll actually see that at all here in the u.s i don't know if the anime even came out in the u.s um at all but it's an interesting little thing. I don't know what level five is really doing these days. They definitely had that Yokai Watch Academy thing. Um, They're working on that Nino Kuni MMO, I believe. Um, and then now there's this, but I imagine this is not that expensive to do. Uh, it is like a full $50 game. I don't know if you could just like upgrade the game or anything like that, but they're branding it as, you know, the DX version. So maybe there's more changes, um, but not that I saw from the Japanese article I read initially on a uh, four gamer. There's also more details about Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier, which you don't remember what this is. This is the Final Fantasy VII Remake Battle Royale that, unfortunately, is only for mobile phones right now. Uh, they have a beta coming up for Google, uh, on Google Play Store uh, for U.S. and Canada, I believe. But um, I was reading the Silicon Era post about it. I didn't watch the actual stream because it's one of those, like, two hours long Japanese streams where everybody's just sitting there like, oh, yes, and nodding to each other. And it's just like, I can't sit through this. <laughs> uh, but but, you know, it, 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 the Silicon Era post summed up a lot of stuff. One, there's date, night, date slash night cycles during the uh, during the encounters, which I think is pretty cool. And it sounds like it basically changes the uh, environment a bit, uh, the monsters that appear in the environment. Um, the game, of speaking of monsters, there are, like, AI monsters going around. So you go and kill them, and that, like, levels you up and it gets you new skills. And, you know, being a Battle Royale game, you then take those skills to go and, and, and you know, fight other players, essentially. Um, and beforehand, they show that there's, like, a mix of melee and shooting. It sounds like the melee actions are mainly focused on defeating non-player monsters. And then the, the range stuff is for actually killing other players. Um, it sounds like that's probably, you can probably mix them up, probably. But just, like, the, the, the melee is built around that kind of non-player um, combat kind of thing. So you, you will be at a disadvantage typically utilizing it. Um, based off, again, off what I was reading from the Silicon Era article, it wasn't really super clear and there wasn't a ton of details. Um, and there's also a job system too. So so you can choose a job and that you know changes some of the skills you get, things like that. I'm very excited for this game. I'd really love to check it out. I just wish it was on a PC or console platform that I would play it on not going to play it on mobile unfortunately i mean i do have an android uh, phone so i could try it but i have like a samsung galaxy s7 at this point 
which is, you know, not great. I know when I tried to play the Castlevania mobile game last time, they're like, nope, your phone's too old. So I'm going to guess for Final Fantasy VII First Soldier, too old. And even if it did work, I don't know if that's the way I want to play that game. So I'll keep an eye out. If it comes out on PS4 or PC, I'll probably try to harass some people into playing it at some point. Um, and that's pretty much it for news. Um, there is, you know, I guess it's worth mentioning because I do talk about Giant Bob once in a while. If you didn't hear uh, Giant Bob, which is, you know, has people like Jeff Kirstman, Brad Shoemaker, Vinny Caravella, a bunch of old GameSpot dudes over there, um, Alex Navarro. Um, they're kind of, I don't want to say dissolving. They're, they're kind of shedding a lot of their staff right now, their key staff, um, to kind of find a new direction for the website. If you don't know what Giant Bomb is, basically it's just kind of like, I guess you could say casual uh, game coverage kind of site. It's mostly, you know, people just kind of talking to each other, um, big personality-based website kind of thing, um, and was kind of unique for its time when it originally launched in, like, I think late 2000s, um, you know, versus, you know, what we have today now that YouTube and everything is, is such a huge thing. Um, and so they basically changed what their content is. I, I saw a lot of people be pretty sad about the uh, the changes, but honestly, I will say I, I do really like the people with Giant Bomb, but I, I kind of fell off their content the last, like, three years. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but, um, but it just... I don't know. I think I wanted something new, and so I started going to other podcasts. Although I did continue to listen to the the, the Giant uh, Bombcast still, and, and it sounds like Giant Bombcast is still going to go. But I'm excited to see what they're doing next. Um, one of my favorite things about Giant Bomb are their E3 shows, where they have like a bunch of people on the couch, and a lot of them don't necessarily have um, you know a lot of relationship with each other, and they just kind of have a fairly casual conversation between them all. So I hope maybe something like that might be the new direction for the uh, the, the site. But for now, uh, Jeff Gerson's going to stay there. Um, and a couple of their production people as well. So not really normally what we talk about, but, you know, I, I watch enough Giant Bomb that I seem to mention them from time to time, so I thought it was maybe worth mentioning. Anyways, in terms of upcoming content, things are a bit in a weird spot uh, because I really want to get this Nier video out and done. However, this Nier video really does not want to come together as well. <laughs> the script is an absolute mess right now. I, I have five pages of notes and any outline I've created, I've been unsatisfied with. And so I just sat down and tried to write it out. Basically I'm more of a write it out kind of guy. When I try to outline things, I don't know. I just, I, I have a hard time seeing the full picture. And then when I start writing it down, I, the outline almost never is, is the way I want the conversation to go. I always want to kind of change how the conversation flows. Um, I'm having trouble with this one. And I want to get it out done fast and done. So I'm going to give this script, like I, I didn't really work on it the week beforehand because of the work stuff. And then this week I didn't get a chance to work on it much either, unfortunately. I'm going to give this script a, a solid push and just see if I can get find what this script is um, in the near term. Um, and if I can't, I might just consider abandoning it um, and maybe just putting some more casual video up about it. I don't want to do that because I know I'm not the most, um, I don't know, whenever I, whenever I do an argument kind of video kind of thing, in this case, you know, talking about father near versus the son near, um, you know, obviously I'm able to talk about it on the podcast, but I feel a lot more comfortable doing a script in, in terms of creating a, um, complete, a complete argument. Um, because like with the battle and wonder world video, it, it can be, challenging depending on the person who comes to that video um to to keep their attention if they poke holes in everything all the time i feel like um and, and i think it can be unsatisfying 
uh, somebody comes and, 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 and like, it's like, well, this is an incomplete conversation that you had because, you know, I'm just talking off the top of my head and I might miss something or I might not convey something well. So that's, that's part of why I do scripted videos in general is because I feel more than anything, I feel like I'm going to present you information and whether you agree with me or not, I have given you everything you need to know about my position. And, you know, if you disagree with something, why I may not agree with that fact or something like that. I like creating rounded videos, I guess, I guess just to say, and, and, and tightening that up, you know, it's probably comes from me being in a journalism writing and stuff beforehand when I was in school and, and how you write a feature and, and, and those kind of classes. And that's probably why I like that scripted uh, model because it, it creates that rounded picture. Um, so anyways, I'm going to keep trying to work on that for now. If it, goes completely off course here um we'll move on i i just don't think it's worth it probably um and and i think you guys largely probably know my opinion um if i'm again i might do like a casual video where i talk about it but, but, but yeah i don't know anyways after that note though uh kaito joker we have been streaming kaito, or we started streaming kaito joker last week uh which is basically like a 3ds puzzle platformer from uh NT creates um and it's it's pretty all right it's got a really nice presentation to it it's based off an anime i don't know anything about the anime but if you like like the aesthetics of ghost trick um i definitely recommend checking out this kaito joker 3ds game it's it's very cool um and mechanically it's for it's pretty fun too i think there are maybe some design annoyances you know maybe not always the best thought out things but i think that's typical for like a licensed game it's not going to get the love and attention of um you know a, an original release because they're they're able to push out a title and have it sell based off the license on its own rather than actually you know worry too much about making a good game but i think it i think it is a good game in in this case so so i think it's probably worth checking out uh feels pretty accessible in terms of uh you know being in japanese and being able to play it in english as well the one thing i had to look up was apparently you can do a triple jump in that game and the game is not very clear about how that works in in when you when you're playing it without knowing any Japanese, maybe the Japanese text has plastered it on screen. It's like, hey, you can do this. Remember, you can do this. And maybe there's like some screen screen like tutorial screen. I just like click there or something, but it just was not particularly clear um, as somebody who's an English speaker. So, so that's the one thing to keep in mind is that you can do like a third jump. And if you have uh, any questions about that, you probably just go. Um, you can ask on the comments if you want. But basically, there's like a bubble that you can jump out of, so you can jump. Do a bubble, jump again, and that's that is it. I'm... Words. Um. Anyways, so we 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 stream that, having a good time with that. Um, I'm gonna guess maybe two or three streams, depending on how much uh uh is needed to be done in that. There's kind of like a Wario World kind of thing where you're collecting treasures and things like that, and it goes into your museum. Uh, does it matter that you get all those treasures? I don't know. Um. So I will have to do some see if I can do some research and find out if there if that is the case. Um, yeah, but otherwise, if you want to check that out, you know, that streams up. Um, otherwise, we'll be streaming it again at 7 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday this week. Um, and then from there, start looking at some other games. I have some in mind, but I always talk about them and sometimes never play them. Um, so I will keep my mouth shut for now. And that's going to do it for this week, though. Thank you for coming. OneControlPort.com is the website, and I hope you have a great week. Bye.